Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. The podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to the Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. In general, evangelism is waning in our churches. The statistics bear that out. The the normative Baptist church baptized three people last year. Approximately, within a few percentage points, 50% of our churches baptized two or less. And approximately, within a couple of percentage points, 75% of our churches baptized in single digits. That, That would be nine or less. And probably what concerns... Uh, me the most is that churches don't have more anxiety over their lack of baptisms. The truth is there should be such a panic among pastors over the lack of baptisms in their church that the problem fixes itself. I mean, a pastor should be so upset over his church baptizing so few that he should focus all of his energy and resources on fixing that one problem, but the fact is that's not happening. I love a quote that came from the wisdom and wit of Thomas Merton, who said this, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top, the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I think one reason churches aren't panicked over evangelism is that they have their ladder leaning against the wrong wall. They aren't measuring success by the number of people coming to Christ being baptized at their church. And so they're measuring success by member contentment, member happiness, the bills are being paid, or there's no conflict in the church, or how much they like the preacher, or for being known for something cool other than evangelism. Here's the trouble. Churches are crying touchdown when it's actually a fumble. One of the leading evangelistic pastors in our nation, Ken Whitten, alludes to this. I want you to listen to this clip from one of our Engage 24 workshops. And then when we come back, uh, my co-host and I, Scott Smith, will talk about this clip. In verse 22 of verse 14, uh, it says immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went into a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat <clears throat> by this time was a long way from the land. Beaten wide by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to walk on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come on. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid Begin to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those 
in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, if I was, if I was taking that text and making a message, which I'm not out of it, I want to pull a few principles from it, but I, I, I take a whole different direction because like a pastor, you'd be speaking to, to people. So this is not a message about faith or a message about hearing God's voice, those, those kind of things. You, you could preach that better than I could. What I want to do is, is a little bit with what I, th- what I think what I would want if I was sitting there and talking about methodology and talking about identity. I want to make some prin- say some principles as I tell you this story uh, of kind of what God's been doing in the last 12 months with this pastor. I'm going to mention an organization that we've been working with and... and uh, um, I think Vance Pittman could back up every word of what I'm saying, that it's, you know, it's legit. And uh, it's a guy by the name of Will Mancini, read the book God Dreams, uh, Unique, um, and um, with a a group called Oxano. And Oxano uh, means to grow. And uh, I'll tell you how I met him in uh, just a few moments. But first, the first point I want to make, in case you're here at this place, is this. Here's what I want to understand about this story. You know the story. You know Jesus comes there in the fourth watch, and you know that's between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. That's the darkest time of, uh, of the evening, uh, really of the morning, uh, getting ready to be morning for the light shines. And so here's the first thing I want to say. I'm going to say about four or five things here. Here's the first one. In the midst of darkness and trouble, God allows a confrontation to enlarge, not in danger. Let me say it again. In the midst of darkness and trouble, God allows a confrontation to enlarge, not in danger. I think when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me come on the water, I, I think it's, it's a real key for us today because, and maybe even for the next couple of days, because if you're going to walk on water and you're going to do something that's big in the way of reaching people for Christ, you've got to get your identity straight. And it's real important as not just you as a person, as a pastor, but as your church. See, see I, I think truthfully, we're always looking in many ways for victory to come to us. Um, we want visitors to come to us. We want growth to come to us. We want success in, in that way of, of, of growing to come to us. And, uh, and then you kind of always labor with the question, well, is that, is that programmed? Are we, is it a program success? And, uh, and, and I'm going to just tell you this. It was, it was Jesus coming to them, and I want you to understand that. It's we're always looking for Jesus and victory to come to us. But I think what Peter would tell you, if we could sit down with him and say, man, tell me what that was like. And one day we're going to get to, and he'd say, you can't believe when he came to us. And so I just want to start off by telling you that today that I don't think the answer here is better methodology. And I don't think I'm going to give you anything that's going to wow you in a relationship, even the next couple of days that you're going to say, whoa. But I, I hope that to stir something inside of you that'll cause you to think a little bit different and think of ways maybe that you haven't been thinking before. I, I want to be real clear here and say that the world is not waiting for another story of what we can do. They, they're not waiting for another story of what God has done for us. The world is waiting for a story of what God can do for himself. 
through what we can do for them. And, and so that's, that's a real key here because uh, I, I would say to you on the front end of this thing, whatever you do, don't settle f- for having a better church. Settle for having a better community. One of the things I learned in, in this Oxano process with Will Mancini, I'm going to give you some lines. I'm just give you some credit. I told him, and he gave me absolutely permission to say anything I wanted to say in that regard. Uh, and I told him, I said, listen, you know, I'm going to quote you. Um, and uh, the first time I'm going to quote him. And then the next time I'm going to say, I heard it said. And the third time I'm going to say, listen, I've always said. Now, you know, you, you've, you've seen that movie, right? Uh, listen to this line. We miss our goal, not because of obstacles but because of a clear path to a lesser goal. We miss our goal not because of obstacles, but because of a clear path to a lesser goal. When darkness comes, God is allowing confrontation to enlarge, not endanger. And, and, and the only person in that boat that saw that was Peter. And the first thing I want you to see here is God allows darkness. I don't know where you are in your church. I don't know where you are, but if you're in that spot that nobody even knows about, I'm telling you, this could be a real breakthrough weekend for you. This could be a real breakthrough moment. And obviously, all of us have that same desire to be what God wants us to be. That's why you're here. I applaud you for that. I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Smith. Scott, Ken made a great statement, didn't he? We miss our goal, not because of obstacles, but because of a clear path to an easier goal. Yeah, man, that was a huge statement. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of us are convicted by that statement because uh, in a church leadership role, uh, we tend to get off course from time to time, like any other part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually think one of the best quotes so far is the one you gave, churches are crying touchdown when it's actually a fumble. And I think what's happened is we easily get uh, not really often misdirected as much as misdefined as in terms of we're misdefining what, you know, what a win looks like, uh, what, what, the, what, the, what the highest goal really is. And, um, you know, like you said, there's always uh, an easy out. Mm that can make you look good or feel good or make people happier. And so it's, it's a constant temptation. I think we we face in leadership and church. Well, in part of that, I mean, I think we see it a lot. Uh, the, the, the membership, the congregation is rarely going to define evangelism as the touchdown or as the win, right? I mean, we see if churches kind of left to their own uh, devices turn inward and a touchdown or a win for them becomes how focused you are on meeting their needs in the church. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there are a lot of things that can be, uh, you know, that can substitute what really I would say is the true north of the church, which is the Great Commission. Um, you know, God's word is is to define that for us. In other words, we ought to major where the word of God majors and minor where the word of God minors. And if we're majoring on minors and minoring on majors you know, we're off, we're off course, but there's so many things that can feel major and feel like a major win. So, you know, what, what's making the people happy. So it could be, you know, it could be that I, I'm, this is a throwback, but you know, let's say, you know, let's say that, 
the you know your church is known for a really great passion play or a singing Christmas tree you know yeah. to to really throw throw back to some earlier days I know some people still do that but you can you can be known for something like that like you said something cool that feels so good it's a lot of work involved there's a lot of money involved a lot of people show up and applaud and so the people in your church are really happy and proud of themselves because of of what they do and they feel like you know we've kind of arrived and then and then of course you can look at numbers uh, you can look in terms of how many are attending versus the church down the road mm. and totally get your eye off the ball in terms of how many are actually being converted, how many are coming in by conversion growth versus transfer growth, money, money right. in the coffers. You know, we're like you said, you said it, paying the, we're paying the bills and, uh, and, and, you know, you can just have one or two major givers that could feel like your greatest strength. Mm as a church, but they could actually be your greatest weakness in the sense of, you know, that, you know, you kind of can get comfortable, you know, as long as those guys are showing up and, and, and tithing, then, uh, you know, you've, you've got a little slush fund and things are happening. You know, you're building some buildings, you're doing some things that look successful, but you know, if you're, if you're not baptizing a healthy percentage every year of, of your worship attendance, then you really need to ask yourself, uh, whether or not you've maybe gotten off the you're off the ball somewhere. Yeah, and so uh, this past week, uh, I was at the uh, at a conference with the outreaches hundred fastest growing churches in America, and I'm starting to hear language like this from those guys. So when when you talk about the fastest growing churches in America, here, here's some of the stuff I heard this week. Well, when we do an event, uh, if twenty percent of our guest cards over the next year or the next few months don't mention that event as the reason they're coming to our church. We don't do the event anymore. Mm. So they're actually putting in um, at least some kind of growth evangelism uh, filter that says, mm -hmm. you know what, if our singing Christmas tree is not helping us get lost people in our building is not helping people connect with our church. Uh, we're not going to do it just for the applause or the claps or we feel good because we work really hard at something. And that's a different mm. mindset than, I mean, you and I have seen in past years uh, from churches for sure. Well, it's, it's kind of like the business who never looks at their, their bottom line numbers because they know they're bleeding, but they don't want to see how bad. And so they don't, they don't do, they don't check metrics. Mm. You know, those are metrics. I think, you know, the, the, what are the metrics that matter in a church, you know, uh, you know, a business is going to, uh, you know, a thriving business is going to look at those things. How many customers are acquiring over the course of a year, how, you know, how, how much margins they have in their products and those things like that, because the lifeblood of their business is profits. Well, the, the lifeblood of the church, uh, notwithstanding, you know, the power of the Holy spirit, the word of God, all those things that we assume is our fulfillment of the great commission. So are we tracking that? Are we looking at the metrics that matter? Mm -hmm. And and so a lot of us don't want to look at that because it's not comfortable. It's not a good it's not a good feedback loop that really makes us feel good. Uh, right. You know, when you look at the bottom line, I mean, are you are you bleeding new souls? Are you acquiring new souls? Are you seeing more people come to Christ? And and I think what we need to realize though, in, in the context of that, Joel is is uh, you know what gets measured gets managed. And so if we start tracking those numbers, what can happen is it can increase our intentionality in those other areas of ministry that could be more evangelistic. That's right. And so one of the problems is we're not measuring a whole lot. 
you know, if all we do is count Sunday morning attendance um, and, you know, the offering, and we're not figuring out how to measure uh, evangelism, or at least at least people far from God being in our church services on Sunday morning. I mean, you said it with a business, for example. Uh, they want to know is my marketing dollar successful? So they they have ways of figuring out: Did the billboard work? Did the Facebook advertisement mm-hmm. work? Did the radio commercial work? Did the television commercial work? I mean, they they drive people to their business through certain uh, avenues. And if those avenues aren't successful, they don't keep doing it. And so I think the church is falling behind in that a little bit, you know, because um, it's, there are easier wins. Ken Winton said it. There's just easier way to get a church defined win or a membership defined win. That's not evangelism. And we tend like a stream. We tend to follow the path of least resistance. Well, okay. So, Another thing that we tend to do there, Joel, is we tend to drift toward softer, immeasurable, mm. uh, you know, uh, areas of activity that you really can't measure, mm-hmm. but that you can always, well, you know, you can say it's an emphasis of your church that is almost sort of a cop out or a scapegoat. Now, I know I'm going to get controversial with this one. So I want to be clear before I state it that, you know, Joel and I both believe in disciple making, right? Mm-hmm. We believe in people making, you know, we believe in believers reproducing, reproducing, reproducers. Okay. We believe in that. We just believe that that begins with the decision to give your life to Jesus. Evangelism is a key part of that, but discipleship can become that soft, immeasurable activity that you can say you're always doing as an excuse not to do evangelism in in a sense. And you and I've had these conversations before, Joel, so I think you could probably speak to it better than I. Well, I think, I think you're, you're right, Scott, hundred percent right. Because what happens is we, so the average pastor or church member, staff member doesn't define discipleship. It doesn't have a measurable with it. So we kind of lump everything we do into a discipleship category, even if it's not working. Well, did the, did this event work? Well, we discipled a lot of people at that event. You know, there's, it was discipleship going on, you know, does this program work? Well, we're discipling people with the program, but yet, you can't give me a metric that says that you, you can't show me church growth that says that you, you can't show me baptisms that resulted because of that, because we, we poorly define discipleship and we have no metrics attached to it. We kind of use that bucket sometimes to just throw everything we do to church. That's not really working, but we don't want to get rid of it. We kind of throw it in that. Well, we're discipling people with it. And, um, it's a dangerous place to be because what you wind up doing is doing a lot of things. And again, I'll go right back to Ken Witten's quote. You do a lot of things uh, that are just easier, easier goals to do. Like if you're, if your goal is to fill up your building, you can do um, events or activities that will fill up your building, but may never lead anyone to Christ. And yeah, it, yeah, and it's and it's an easier goal to fill up your building with other believers from other churches, and, and that that can become a clear path. That's exactly and it, right. it's just quite frankly easier if you can if you can come up with a better choir or a better, you know, praise team or a, you know if you can redo your building or whatever, offer more you know bells and whistles. You can do that, That's and right. you'll you'll drain the other churches, and you'll feel good about it in terms of building your building your congregation. So. 
that comparison game doesn't really work. At the end of the day, um, uh, back to what I was saying earlier, you've got to have true north as defined by Scripture, and that is evangelism. Discipleship as an activity actually has a measurable beginning point. That's right. Someone either knows God or they don't know God. And when someone goes from knowing God, from not knowing God, rather, to knowing God, you can count that, right. right? You can say, right. you know, this person or this group of people came into our church this year. They did not know God, and now they know God. And so there are that many who now know God, and they were baptized or whatever. Uh, and then the discipleship, it can get a little squishy from that point on. We, we know that everybody who gets saved, you know, has different, you know, frames of reference for things spiritual, different levels of baggage they come in with. And and you've got, you know, that's where honestly it gets messy, but it all has the same beginning point for everyone. And that's something that can be counted. Yeah. So I think it kind of to sum up the conversation, what we're trying to say is make sure you have evangelism as your goal, right? Like the, if you're, if you're going to lean your ladder on a single wall, if you lean it on evangelism, Scott, some of that other stuff takes care of itself, doesn't it? Well, it really does. And, and, you know, one of the things we've said for years is that really evangelism solves every other problem in your church. We may have even said it on a previous podcast, mm -hmm. but it solves, a you know, personnel problems are solved by evangelism. Money problems are solved by evangelism. Your unity or versus conflict issues. When a church gets more outward focused than inward focused, it solves that problem, you know, new people coming in, new blood coming in, new folks coming in, bringing their redeemed talents, their redeemed uh, purses, their redeemed uh, purposes uh, into the church. I mean, you can't beat anything for solving every other problem you're facing. And one of the things that uh, Ken Witten said, you know, was, you know, you may be in a stormy place right now. You you may be in a place that that God's trying to enlarge you and so maybe you're listening to this pastor and you're in a dark time in your church because of internal conflict or you know there are a few families coming against your ministry or or whatever um if you can rally some troops around evangelism and see people come to jesus uh you know you've you've been enlarged not endangered i love that phrase love you know it. he brought the storm in to enlarge you not to endanger you mm -hmm. he's trying to teach you that that putting out fires inside the church over stuff that quite frankly doesn't matter it's so much lesser than the Great Commission really isn't the it's not the name of the game. The name of the game is you be a personal soul winner, lead your people to be personal soul winners and watch the problems get displaced by the new influx of people who are coming to Christ. Quite frankly, uh, there is no more exciting place in a hospital than the maternity ward. Right. And so there's no greater fresh excitement that can come in other than, you know, outside of people being born into the kingdom. And that's what your church really is about. Well, and I think that's a good word because Scott, because every pastor wants their entire church to be behind them in this evangelism effort. And there are a lot of guys listening who that's just not reality right now because of that storm. So don't, don't worry about getting the whole church behind you. Find a few people that you can rally to the cause that you can do evangelism with um, side by side, however you can do it. The most basic form of let's go out and have gospel conversations door to door with people and start a new believer Sunday school class and you teach it pastor and, and you build into those new believers, the DNA that, that you want in a church. And, uh, you'll start seeing results that way. And man, if you're listening and you're thinking, why well, don't I even have a small group to rally? 
then, you know, go out and do it yourself or find a church that'll get behind you. You know, one or the other, life's too short to, uh, uh, to waste, not, not trying to reach people with the gospel. Uh, of Jesus. So, um, well, and, and, and Joel, I'd also say that, um, you know, before you ax anything that you see, that's not reaching people for Christ first, ask yourself the question, you know, can we add evangelism into the mix somehow mm-hmm. there before we kill it? I mean, is there some way that we can make this program or that program or this activity or that event more evangelistic than it is rather than make a bunch of people mad by killing it and causing a new problem? Just see if you can add more evangelism into that and make yeah. that what was a lesser goal, maybe more about the main goal. Well, and uh, good word, Scott, because by no means are we suggesting you just go and start cutting everything that doesn't lead people to Christ because that may be everything, you know, the church does. But normally, if you'll get the leaders of those events, programs, activities uh, together and, and, and define a win, almost always they'll throw some kind of evangelistic component into that. And then just measure it when it's done. Figure out a way to measure it, measure it, and then let, a lot of times over time, they'll say, hey, this is not doing what what we want it to do. So um, good word. Hey, uh, one of the most important things you can do, Pastor, is have your church out in the um, highways and byways and hedges uh, having gospel conversations. And the North American Mission Board is challenging you as a pastor to challenge your church to have gospel conversations in 2018. As a matter of fact, we have a place online where you can go and commit your church to a certain number of gospel conversations. And the URL is gcchallenge.com, gcchallenge.com. Make sure to go by that website, look at the resources that we have available and sign up your church and for you know a certain number of gospel conversations in 2018, you'll be surprised at what just setting that goal in front of your church and figuring out a way to track it will do to turn their hearts towards evangelism. So check out gcchallenge.com. And thanks for listening to the podcast today. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net forward slash your church on mission to send in a comment or question email it to evangelism at namb.net